It's not going to fly into your butthole. But can it might. you pause this so we can have this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want this? <laughs> Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Rory. And I'm your host, Katie. And today we are talking about Danny Ray Horning. What a name. Danny Ray. Horny. D-Ray Horny. (laughs) Horny Danny? Is that what they called him? No, I think they called him Murder Danny. They called him the Shocker. Okay, and uh, where are we going for this one, Katie? This one is actually here in Arizona. Oh. What part of Arizona? All over Arizona. All right. Okay. And uh, where did you do your uh, research on this one? This one was the FBI Files, Episode 2, and TerritorySupply.com, which was an article written by Jake Case. And then I also looked over the Supreme Court documents. TerritorySupply.com sounds like a homesteader's supply website. It does. It sounds like a place you would go to buy uh, extensive ammo. Yeah, ammo and, like... Uh, electric fence strapping that you put up around a place that doesn't belong to you to keep other people out. Or like underground air circulators so you can bury your, you know, 40-foot <laughs> container. And... It's all run off of the neighbor's fucking extension cord. Yeah, I think we kind of got off topic here, but why don't you go ahead and start us off on this one, Katie? Our episode begins in Stockton, California, a city that sits directly on the San Joaquin River. In a rural area of the city lived Sammy McCullough, a local marijuana dealer and fish farmer. Sounds like he was more of a fish farmer. That joke only works in (laughs) type. (laughs) But I'm going to put fish in quotes here and just imagine it with a pH. Spelled with a pH. Yeah. It's like a fat fish. Are you talking about the band? I am. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah, get a fish farmer because he deals weed. Anyway. Any, any, yeah. Jokes are always the best when they need like really long explanation. (laughs) I'm leaving it. It's a good one. Fish, in quotes, P.H. Fish. It's funny that way. According to the prosecution of the later case, it was well known that Sammy kept a lot of cash inside his home, with him even telling his friends that he'd been burglarized on multiple occasions. So he's just like, I'm going to keep keeping cash here. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> that did not come out well. Yeah, yeah that, you don't get it. He's that came out awful, awful Forrest Gumpy <laughs> there, bro. Bur- he gets burglarized, right? He's like, hmm, I'm out of cash. Let me get some more. Boom, boom, boom. Then he gets burglarized again. He's like telling his friends, he's like, man, I keep getting robbed. I don't know why. Look at all this cash I got, guys. On the evening of September 19th, 1990, Sammy attempted to call his quote-unquote business partner around 7 p.m., and that was the last time he was ever heard from. Now, why would you put something like business partner in quotes, Katie? I believe it was in the Supreme Court documents. They put it in quotes. Mm. So I'm assuming it was like his weed dealer buddy, and they didn't know what else to call him. And also, I was nine months old then. I knew you were going to say something (laughs) like that. How did I know that? I just knew. If it's 1990, I'm going to give you an update on how old I was when it happened. Jake was the only person born in 1990. That's why he's so special. Right in the first week. I just missed the 80s. Didn't miss much. There is a stream off the San Joaquin River known as Burns Cut. It is a popular fishing area, but rural and heavily wooded in some spots. On the evening of September 20th, a man named Lark... Lark Mawson? <laughs> on the evening of September 20th, a man named Mark Lawson was on the bank of Burns Cut, happily fishing. He felt something heavy on his line and excitedly reeled it in, expecting a large fish. Instead, he discovered a black trash bag. As anyone would, Lawson tore open the bag and was shocked to find the dismembered leg of a man. You say as anyone would, but why can't you just let it float away? You're, gonna, you're not going to reel in a heavy-ass garbage bag and mm-hmm. rip it open? Nope, 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 I didn't see it. Finders keepers, bro. <laughs> the next fisherman can find it. I'm out. Lawson quickly left the area and called police, who were quick to arrive and, according to the FBI file's reenactment, carefully look at the leg to ensure it was, in fact, a leg. It can be confusing. Sometimes you gotta just stare for a little bit and determine leg status. It was fully clothed in <laughs> the episode, too, I'm sure, so you couldn't tell it was a prop, but they, like, sat there and looked at it. What if it was an extra-long arm with a backwards hand wearing a jean jacket? 
still more disturbing. With a shoe on? <laughs> I think I don't think that happens often <laughs> with a shoe on. <laughs> and it was in the episode they have the actual detectives that worked the case do the reenactment. So this was like a real ass detective just staring at a leg in a bag. I imagine like, it's just a guy like, yeah, that's a leg. leg. You notice the legness of that leg? <laughs> No foot on it. Yep. Yep. There's all no, five toes. There's no butt on this. Mm, <laughs> yep. Seems seems absent of gluteus maximus. Well, I mean, if they if they if they found a leg but no ass. I mean, sometimes you know, Hank Hill. It's a syndrome. <laughs> the next morning, police carefully combed over the bank of the river and dredged the bottom, uncovering more body parts. Another black garbage bag contained two arms bound at the wrists with duct tape. Was it cut off at the shoulders? I'm assuming so. Like they were just like arms and then torso separate? That's fucking crazy. Do we know if they were taped together front style or back style? Or would we be able to determine that? Right, they weren't on a body. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I'm just thinking which would be the easier way to cut off two Yeah, because you flip your wrist to put your hands behind your back. Yeah. So were they over the top of each other, or were they together? You That's can kinda... put your hands behind your back like this. Yeah, you oh, can. it's so hard, though, for a fucking fatty like me. I'm just wondering, because... Anyway, either way, dumb question. Continue on. Yeah, Great that question, Rory. That wasn't mentioned in any of the articles. Well, those people are, in, like, they're not thorough. That was an excellent question. The torso was found wrapped in a bed sheet. The head was floating freely, with duct tape wrapped around it covering the eyes. Along with the bedsheet wrapped torso was a pair of pants containing a wallet identifying the body as Sammy McCallow and a serrated steak knife. Wait a minute. If they found the pants with the body, then how'd they know the leg wasn't a long backwards arm? So I think he cut through all of the clothing. So the pants were still like, you know, like the torso was wearing like jean shorts. (laughs) They're Daisy Dukes, really. (laughs) And the legs were wearing... The rest of the pants. I, I, we shouldn't new be laughing theory, about this. New theory. He was just trying to make some sick jorts, and he slipped. <laughs> well, once you hit the artery. And yeah. then he cut his own arms off? Well, the problem was is he had taped his arms together. <laughs> well, you know, that's real hard to do things. He fell. Both arms popped out. Torso and jorts. <laughs> and he yes. cut his head off accident and tied himself up in a well he was already doing the the he already had his hands in the duct tape and his original idea was i'm gonna cut myself free but since i'm here i'm gonna make some jorts this is logical and there was like a horror movie he just reached up and just removed his head At the autopsy, a 22 caliber bullet was found in the head of McCallow, with powder burns indicating it had been fired from very close range, likely around two inches. It was also confirmed that the body was dismembered using a serrated knife, most likely the one that was found with the torso. That would take so long. Was this like your normal four and a half inch serrated knife, or was it like the one that you get at the fancy steakhouse that's like eight inches long and has big chunky... Like the Texas Roadhouse steak knife. Or like a bread knife, like a really long serrated bread knife. No, it was like out, from what I understand, it was out of a knife lock in the house. So it was just like a steak knife you get in a set of knives. I imagine then you got to put the put the knife over the joints and... Well, you, like you do a chicken, you just stick it in the backside and you fold the joint over it and you just sort of saw up. Still take a while. Yeah, definitely. And ooh, I bet it is gross. The investigation started immediately, headed by Deputy Sheriff Amando Mayoya. A camper that had been at Burns Cut on the night of September 19th recalled seeing a white, square vehicle driving kind of fast around the area before hearing the splashes of something being thrown into the water. A white, square vehicle? Like a Bronco? Like a white Bronco. <laughs> oh shit, did we just solve it? OJ did this? Did anybody check <laughs> on OJ? It was probably OJ, realistically. Makes sense, people. It was the practice run for OJ, and he got interrupted during the second. Oh, my God. We just solved that. Somebody go arrest OJ. Get him. After looking at photos, the camper agreed that a Jeep Cherokee had the same shape as what he had seen. Bummer. 
This confirmed to police that the car spotted by the camper was more than likely Makalo's own white Jeep Cherokee, which happened to be missing. Luckily, they didn't have to look for long, as it was discovered on September 21st. Unfortunately, no usable fingerprints were found anywhere on the car besides Makalo's. They did notice that it was extremely clean and the floor mats were damp, like someone had done a very thorough job of washing it recently. Do they have, like, all the CSI and Dexter-style, like, luminol and spray and lights and all that back then? I believe so. You don't need a light for luminol, though. Well, you know, in the TV shows they do. Luminol. Luminol. I've got luminol. It, it I need. Glows. I need the activating agent. So if anybody listening has the activating agent for luminol, feel free to send it to our podcast. Isn't that just blood? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to put a liquid in it because it's only good for like a specific amount of time after you mix it. But I think you just put hydrogen peroxide in it. <laughs> well, either way, I want the fancy stuff. Send it to me. Police moved on to McCallow's home, which was not cleaned as properly as the Jeep had been. In the bathroom, human blood was found inside the tub drain, meaning the dismemberment had likely occurred there. A 22 caliber bullet casing was found right outside the front door. Multiple missing items also confirmed the murder had occurred inside the home. A steak knife was missing from the block in the kitchen, and McCullough's 9mm handgun was nowhere to be found. According to one of his girlfriends, the gun, quote, never left his side. How many girlfriends did he have? Two. Two? Did they know about each other? Did they find out about each other after he died? No, they knew about each other. It was like a polyamorous thing. Knock down, throw out type thing? Pow, pow. It was a polyamorous relationship. Ah. All right. Well, that's not good podcast material. It's not dramatic. That's just healthy relationships. Mayoya entered the serial number into the NCIC, which is a national database for law enforcement used to track missing persons, property, fugitives, and criminal records. If that gun turned up, Mayoya would be the first to know. All right, getting my detective brain on here. Um, known fish dealer, shot in the head, dismembered in a bathtub, robbed of his gun, grand theft auto. Sounds like it could be an endangered fish meat deal gone wrong. Seal. Maybe a porpoise is responsible for this. You get it. I know you get it. <laughs> what do you think, Katie? Do I have what it takes to be a detective on this case? No. <laughs> well, what? We're just leaving out the marijuana dealer. No. Well, we're just skipping over that. We don't care about that. I'm thinking the drug dealer aspect <laughs> is less likely to get you murdered than the endangered fish market. Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. Imagine if you have one yellowfin tuna in your in your inventory, there's a price on your head. Yeah. And what if he was dealing in uh, uh, like seal meat, and this is a revenge hit? So he's fishing in Burns Cut, Mm -hmm. a very small stream, Mm -hmm. and he's selling seal meat that he's catching. Yeah, and I think he's got, he he can only hold six of them at a time. Yeah. He puts them together, he sells them as a team. Seal Team Six. We connected all those dots. (laughs) Okay. You guys are going to be very disappointed for the next nine pages. Oh. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Thank you for making Rory's last three minutes relevant, Katie. <laughs> Good wrap up there. Police then moved on to combing through McCullough's past to see if anyone would have wanted him dead. As I mentioned earlier, McCullough had claimed he'd been burglarized multiple times because of the large amount of money he kept in his home, but one instance stood out. Two years prior to the murder, a man named Stephen Horning had been arrested for the armed robbery of McCullough. Assuming he was out for vengeance, Mayoya wanted to find Stephen and question him. He was one of five Horning brothers living in Stockton at the time and apparently wasn't easy to locate. They did find Timothy Horning, who had some interesting stories about his brothers. First was that Stephen and their brother Danny Ray were inseparable, never doing anything without the other. They especially liked to go to Burns Cut to hunt and fish. At one point, Timothy had witnessed Danny Ray kill a deer, which he took home to butcher. After placing it in the bathtub, he carefully dismembered it before placing the legs into a black garbage bag. After all was said and done, the bathroom was spotless with no blood left behind. Sound familiar? Yeah. Standard porpoise MO. (laughs) With a name like Danny Ray, Seal, (laughs) he did it. (laughs) Danny Stingray? (laughs) But in reality, he definitely did it right. 
Like he he don't be <laughs> jumping ahead of the story now, you son of a bitch. All right, go ahead, Katie. I mean, we wouldn't be doing the episode titled Danny Ray Horning if he hadn't done it. Danny so, Ray Seal. That's what we're going to call him on this podcast. No. No? Danny Ray Hornbill, because Hornbill's eating fish, too. <laughs> After learning that Stephen and Danny Ray lived in a small trailer on their parents' property, a search warrant was obtained. On their first visit, no one was home, so they could not enter the trailer, but they did search the surrounding property. In the tall grass, they found a Western Field twenty-two caliber rifle that had been cut to pieces. Well, <laughs> that, that is obviously the murder weapon, right? Like, is it is it kind of funny that they found in a bunch of grass a Western Field rifle? <laughs> a Western Field in a Western Field. Mm-hmm. I'll be goddamned. That, that's it a some bit. kind of irony. Get it? Because it's also made of metal. I got that. Ballistics on the bullet found inside Sammy McCullough's head predicted the gun most likely used was a Western field. According to the Horning parents and sister, Danny Ray had been looking for a job most of the summer and was pretty desperate for cash. Cynthia Cuevas, their sister, had offered for Stephen and Danny to fix her car for money. They told Cynthia that the part would be unavailable for a few days and their parents that they were going to fix Cynthia's car before both brothers disappeared on September 19th. Stephen was the only one to return home, which happened to be on the second day detectives showed up at his property with a search warrant. He was arrested for the murder of Sammy McCollum. Just right off the bat. Well, that's what they had the warrant for. All right. We're not fucking around. We're just going to go in there, grab a murderer. In need of more evidence, Mayoya questioned the brother's father, which brought to light the most important piece of evidence they would find. One day, while hanging out in the yard, Danny Ray grabbed his twenty-two caliber rifle and Stephen his crossbow. They both shot at the family dog, Danny Ray shooting it in the head. They laughed throughout the entire ordeal. Yeah, fuck these guys. I would have shot those fucking little pieces of shit between their eyes with the crossbow, not so, with the twenty-two. How... How so like painful. fucked up and trashy is this family? Like, are these the black sheep, or is this just kind of like a norm? Like, all the brothers are kind of dirt bags, and it seemed like everyone else had a relatively normal life. It was just Stephen and Danny Ray that led the life of crime. I think when you have five boys, at least two are more likely going to get arrested at some point. Two of five sounds like a proper ratio for boys. After the dog was deceased, they buried it on the property. Little did Danny Ray know at the time, but killing a dog would be his biggest mistake. Because he'd be haunted by a hound in his dreams. The hound of Baskerville. Why would you not say he'd be hounded in his dreams? Detectives returned to the property, where they found a recently dug patch of dirt and uncovered the dog's body. After removing the bullet that had killed him, ballistics proved that it was fired from the exact same gun that had killed Sammy McCallow. Danny Ray was their murderer. Mic drop. Hound's revenge. So ultimately, this dog solved the case. Yeah, this dog was the best detective of all time. He's the hero. One for one. Dog's the hero in this case. One for one solved crimes. Got a convict, got a murder conviction, right? I mean, well, got... No. Rory's getting ahead of himself again. (laughs) Detective Doggo only did half the work. That's still a lot of work. He gave his life for this case, bro. I don't know why you guys are talking about dog detectives and you haven't mentioned Scruff McGruff. Oh my god, we're off our game. Like the dog detective. This guy was a, this dog was a real Scruff, well, Scruff McGruff. Scruff McGruff's never gotten shot in the head by we an asshole with a twenty two. We don't know that. He does live in Chicago. Illinois six oh six five two. Steven also took part in taking down his best friend. During the interrogation, he admitted that Danny Ray had been involved in the armed robbery of Sammy McCallow I mentioned earlier. He'd actually taken a much larger role in it than Stephen, but Stephen loved his brother so much that he took the fall for him and went to prison. Danny Ray had sworn that he was going to kill McCallow for snitching. Unfortunately for Danny, there was nothing he could do originally because he also ended up going to prison. He was arrested not long after the robbery for molesting his own six-year-old daughter. Fuck this guy. Yeah, triple fuck this guy. He's a douche. 
He had been paroled on June 16, 1990, and his parole agent last spoke to him September 16. He did not show up for his next scheduled visit and was listed as an absconder. I read that as ass condor, and I agreed fully. <laughs> absconder. He absconded from the law. Obviously, Danny Ray knew he better run as soon as he killed Sammy McCullough. Using his sister's car that he had agreed to fix, he took off, first being spotted in Caribou County, Idaho. Did he fix the car first? I don't think it actually needed a part that he said it needed. I think he was just like, oh, yep, I gotta keep it for a few days and go to Idaho. I ordered the uh, muffler bearings. They'll be in next week. They'll fix them as soon as it gets in. On September 23rd, the sheriff there received a report of an abandoned Monte Carlo, which belonged to Cynthia Cuevas. What year Monte Carlo? Do we know? Is it like an 80s G-body? Because if it's an abandoned Monte Carlo, I want to go get it. That was like... I can look. You were like one. It's okay. It's probably not there anymore. Obviously, it's not there anymore. The sheriff left for a bit to see if the car would move, and when he returned, the car was gone. Because <laughs> it's a sweet Monte Carlo. That's the sickest police work ever. The car's there. I'm going to leave and come back and see if that car's still there. <laughs> What's under the hat? What's under the hat? Not a Monte Carlo. It's a magician thing, you know? You know. The old switcheroo. Are you suggesting that some sort of prestidigitator has gone ahead and made the car disappear from the front of the policeman who was standing there. Yes, a giant, a, yes, exactly, all of what you just said. There were Presbyterian is. I think if you're using prestidigitation, it would be making it appear, not what disappear. Well, no, you, you got it. This is like how it works. You throw them for the loop. You make it disappear and reappear, but the whole time the car is behind a mirror. Prestidigitation. It's just... Fucking Alice in Wonderland. Wizard of Oz? Right there. <laughs> you guys are stupid. That word is way too big. I would rather say magic tricks performed to an audience than prestidigitation. 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 It yeah. also means a sleight of hand. Yes. Ooh. Danny Ray disappeared for almost a month, not being spotted again until October 20th, this time in Freedom, Idaho. A man who owned a farm spotted Danny Ray walking out of the woods and was approached by him. Was he sleeping in the woods for a whole month? Yes. Him and his brother, Stephen, were like almost like survivalists. So they would go out and hunt and fish and camp and burns cut so they knew how to survive. Oh, yeah. Nature nerds. Mm-hmm. Fucking who wants to survive in an apocalypse, right? Danny explained that he was having family issues and had decided to camp out in the mountains all winter. The farm owner offered him his cabin to stay in, telling Danny Ray that he'll freeze to death trying to sleep outside. He declined the offer, instead finding an abandoned cabin in Soda Springs, Idaho. The same sheriff that had seen Danny Ray's car found him at a cabin and was told that Danny had permission to be staying there. After leaving again, the sheriff ran a check on Danny and discovered that he had a warrant for parole violation. When he returned to arrest him, Danny Ray was gone. Pressed a digitation. Poof. It's fucking magic. It's like you leave for 15 to 20 minutes and the guy you're looking for to arrest just goes away. I'm going to go get the paperwork that I need to fill out for this. And when I get back, we'll, we'll arrest you, sir. You no, know, your story sounds good, son. But I'll be back. I'll be back in 18 to 21 minutes. You better be here. You stay put. Prestidigitation. <laughs> Danny Ray once again disappeared, this time until March of 1991. On the 22nd, after the money he had stolen from Macalo had run out, Danny was desperate. He was in the small city of Winslow, Arizona, and decided his best bet was to rob a bank. Sounds like a thought you get from standing on the corner. Assuming there's no other fine sights to see. Oh, a girl, my lord. No. <laughs> He walked into Valley National Bank and pointed a 9mm handgun at the teller, telling them to fill a bag with money. As the teller put $25,000 into a bag, they tripped the silent alarm, and the nearest police station happened to only be a block away. That's just bad luck. <laughs> Poor planning. 
You don't think he was like driving along to this bank and he was like, oh, there's a police station. He was actually probably driving along and you're just singing a song in his head. No. So here's the no. <laughs> Nope. You don't scope out a place that you're going to rob based on how close it is to a police station. Everybody knows you check for the fucking pink and yellow signs. Explain. Pink and yellow signs. Pink and yellow, you know. No. It's like donut shops. They're all pink and yellow. Pink and yellow. Pink and yellow. Oh, are you trying to make a cop donut joke? Ah! But just like a really long-winded one. Get the fuck out of here. I don't know if they had Dunkin' Donuts in 1991. Probably not out west. In Winslow, Arizona? I don't even know if they have a Dunkin' right now. (laughs) Find out for you. If they are, if they have one, that's where the cops are. Oh, okay, yep. Just had to get back to that. Within two minutes, police surrounded the bank, but as they approached the door, they saw Danny Wright with his arm around a hostage, pistol pointed at their head. He slowly backed out of the building through the rear door, apparently not expecting police to be there, and was met with an officer's pistol shoved into his ribs. Danny Wright gave up, and he was arrested. What an idiot. Closest Duncan's in Flagstaff. Yep, there you go. Standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, not a Dunkin' Donuts to be seen. <laughs> After checking the serial number, it was confirmed that the 9mm Danny used in the attempted robbery belonged to Sammy McCallow. Winslow police contacted Detective Mayoya to let him know that Danny Ray was in custody, and Mayoya happily made the trip to Arizona to finally ask Danny some questions. And there was a, like a montage for him to get to, oh, <laughs> to go interview him. He's like, done. Dun, dun, dun. Gonna go ask some questions. I'm a detective. Detective. <laughs> During the course of the interview, Danny denied everything. He claimed he'd never shot a 22 in his life and that he'd purchased the 9mm at a McDonald's in Salt Lake City, Utah. From some random missionaries on some bikes selling 9 mils. Huh? Utah has very lax gun laws. Do, does Utah, does Salt Lake City specifically have missionaries? Aren't you supposed to go out oh to the God, other yes. part of the world? No. <laughs> there are missionaries all the fuck over you Utah. You go to the other part of the world to evangelize. You go Don't to you? Utah to sell guns. I feel like, wouldn't you want to, if you're trying to it's get more people to join the sell. church. It's such a hard sell. Like, they send the best missionaries to Salt Lake. Like, you have to go gain some people we're sending you to the motherland where everyone else has failed and you're gonna bug them every time they have a nice saturday morning you're gonna go knock on their door that's how they do it they i don't know i don't know how many missionaries were sent to my home people neighbors started bringing them by and be like oh they were in the neighborhood we thought we'd come introduce them to you and it's like no thanks not interested i was baptized when i was a child like a normal catholic should be please leave me alone well, this guy getting very, very legit with his Catholicism. Well, they get bat. Well, when you're in the Mormon Church, you get baptized at eight years old or some shit like that. So they said you only had the one baptism. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I only had the one baptism. Thank you. You're like, wait, I can't get into heaven with just one baptism. How many gold stars do I need? Yeah, like, shut up, dummies. When Mayoya told Danny he didn't believe a word he was saying. He replied, quote, yeah, I know I'm lying, but that's all you're going to get. Cocky little fuck. Why didn't he just keep saying no? Like, no, I'm not lying. I don't think he particularly cares if he goes to prison. Ah. The Stockton Police Department declined to extradite Danny for the murder charge and instead let Arizona handle the bank robbery case. And why was that? Because he was going to go to prison for life either way, so they didn't want to spend the money. Do you, get, do you get life in prison for the old bank robbery? Yes. Kidnapping, bank robbery, assault. Who died? People don't have to die you for you to get life in prison. What the fuck? Yeah, there's plenty of crimes that you can be sentenced to life for. What? I thought it was you just... You thought it was just murder? Yeah, death and... Like, murder and rape. I figured those two things sentenced Rape's like three years, pro. You can't get life in prison for rape. No, it's what? like... It's, you like, cannot. max, you're going to you get, like, get... 13 years. What about child rape? Like can that? you get max in life for child rape? No. Those Typically dudes are... No. Fuck! And those dudes are paroled the earliest. It's Ooh. fucking insane. The, the, the justice system's not doing its job by putting the child molesters in with the regular uh, prison people. I'm just going to say that. 
Jake is like just now realizing how fucked up the justice system is. Yeah, because we need to put the predators out with the pre- predator, the bigger predators, you know? As Sage Francis said, justice is the whim of a judge. Check his chest density. It leaves much room for error. The West Memphis Three lost paradise. Institutionalized. All I wanted was a fucking Pepsi. Okay, look. If you have a whole herd of sheep and one of your sheep starts eating and killing all the other sheep, then you go get a wolf to kill that sheep. That's what I'm saying. See, the thing with the government is they can't put you in prison and intentionally harm you. They have to... Yeah, we should, though. ...put you in prison and go through a whole bunch of long, years-long processes, and then they can kill you. But the government has to be the one that kills you, not another person. Yeah, we need to fix that for sure. We gotta get some street justice up in these prisons. Danny was eventually convicted of armed robbery, assault, and kidnapping. At the sentencing phase of the trial, Danny Ray cockily dared the judge to give him the worst he could because he was going to escape prison within a few months. The judge took him up on his offer, sentencing him to four consecutive life sentences. Danny Ray was transferred to Florence State Prison and placed in max security just in case he really did intend to try to escape. Why would he not? You know, he just promised the judge that he would. How far is Florence from Winslow, Arizona? Probably like four hours. Ah, that sucks. Maybe less. I think Winslow might be up near the Grand Canyon. Mm. Oddly enough, Danny was given a job as a janitor at the prison. He frequently cleaned both the kitchen and the hospital wing. This allowed him to gather a few supplies over the course of a couple months. On May 12, 1992, Danny kept his word. During the 4 p.m. headcount, a CO discovered that Danny was missing. The prison went on lockdown, but it was quickly realized that Danny had just simply strolled out of the front door earlier that day. He had stolen scrubs from the hospital wing and an ID badge that a CEO had literally just left sitting out in the open. Thinking he was just another officer, no one stopped him as he walked right out of Florence State Prison. And lucky for Danny, headcount wasn't for a few hours after he left, so he had a pretty big head start on the police. Escaping from prison used to just be so easy. Like, so simple. Get get a get a little uh, disguise going, and march your way out like your Joe Arpaio. Exactly. Now you just have to convince the CEO to fall in love with you, and bam, good to go. I mean, Boom. so the search started with the Arizona DOC, but quickly involved all local and state agencies. The entire surrounding area was searched with ATVs, horses, on foot, and even with tracking dogs. But Danny Ray was long gone. What kind of tracking dogs? Like some bloodhounds, some hound dogs with some floppy ears. Mm-hmm. You guys think that they put like the most specific information in police reports? <laughs> like, yep, we had a six bloodhounds called to the scene. We Sarge. had a four-year-old bloodhound, very floppy ears, known as <laughs> Sergeant Tail Feathers. <laughs> Left ear twelve inches, right ear thirteen, very floppy. Like, I, I have no idea what kind of dogs they use. I'd like Whatever. to get a scale of cutability. I, whenever the they, this happens, I just literally imagine like those 1940s or 1920s, like, like chain gang moments where these guys in cha- shackles are running down the road and there's just a whole group of people walking a line behind them with big bloodhounds going, burr, 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 burr. that's what I imagine. Every time we talk about it, doesn't matter what year it is. That's just what goes through my head. It's like the fox and the hound. <laughs> Pretty much. In real life. But more like, oh brother, where art thou? Based on Danny's history, the FBI assumed he would head back to Winslow to get revenge on the employees of Valley National Bank for getting him sent to prison. He just has a chip on his shoulder. He's like, those motherfuckers. Yeah, why, where, what did they come, how did they come to that conclusion? Because he literally killed Sammy McCollough for getting his brother sent to prison. Mm. He specifically said, I'm going to kill Sammy for sending my brother to prison. But wasn't that more of like a betrayal because... Uh, they were already homies, him and the McCullough boy. Yeah, they didn't. He got himself sent to prison. Facts. Yeah, but he got his brother sent to prison. Well, and yeah, so I, gonna, I mean, in that's this, why he killed. In this instance, he got himself sent to prison. No one snitched him out. No one ratted him the out. the alarm. I mean, in his brain, that's probably snitching and not just letting him take the twenty-five grand and go. Dumb. I don't know about all that. Danny apparently knew they'd think this, so he headed in the opposite direction into Pinal County. There, he burglarized an empty cabin for supplies. 
On May 15th, the owner of the cabin called the Pinal County Sheriff's Office and reported food, clothes, and a 44 Magnum revolver stolen. Now, when you say cabin, because this is Pinal County, and I grew up in Pinal County, so I know that that was just a piece of shit trailer that someone left on a property. Pinal County is huge. Yeah. Oh, you think you think it's too big for trailers? No, I, I think he may have just found a cabin. I think it would have been. Pinal County a... is the ghetto. I think it would have been an actual cabin because Pinal County is a very large. There ain't no cabins. County. Pinal County is and Mark Lamb is an asshole and racist. Next! He's the sheriff of Pinal County. Danny's fingerprints were found all over the cabin. While the manhunt continued in northern Arizona, Danny headed again in the opposite direction, hitchhiking his way down to Tucson. There, he robbed the Tucson branch of the Valley National Bank, then made his getaway on a bike. Not a motorcycle, a bicycle. Two wheels of fury. That's just... Pumping them pedals, getting away from the police, dodging. This is Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. It's really just getting back to your roots of running from the cops. Mm -hmm. You do it on a bike, you feel better about yourself than if you get away in a car. Fun fact, if you ever run from the police on a bicycle, don't. They have cars. Well, Well, you can because he got away for two weeks using just a bicycle. Well, that's because as we found out coming up here, he didn't have that much to get away with. If you got a big haul, you got to have a car. This is true. I guess you could also use one of those scooters that we have now. You put the quarters in. How much did he get out of his bank robbery? <laughs> like $1,300 or no, $2,300. $2,300. I could fit that in my titty pocket. So <laughs> you don't need a car to get away with that. This is true. It's weird that he got twenty five grand in Winslow, but then he comes to <laughs> a much larger city and gets 2300 It's like they could give him $2,300 bills. He could still fit them in his pockets. It's just not a haul. I wonder how many of those dudes I see riding around on bikes just robbed a bank. <laughs> At least 43%. Sounds accurate. Using some of his $2,300 from the bank robbery, Danny paid someone to drive him all the way back up to northern Arizona to the Mugion Rim, a geographical feature in Yavapai County. Here, a Forest Service ranger spotted him, but Danny disappeared before he could be caught. Because he had such extensive knowledge on camping and survival, Danny had no issues living in the wilderness and was likely able to traverse the land much easier than most law enforcement. Again, on June 5th, Danny was seen, but quickly vanished, covering his tracks so well even a tracking dog couldn't find him. He has definite Sasquatch tendencies here. He's like a Squatch, for sure. Yeah, he's, he's, he's vanishing. He's a real motherfucking person of the forest. They're tricky. There one minute, gone the next. Vanished. Law enforcement began calling him Rambo because of his ability to evade them, and the public quickly dubbed him Robin Hood, believing that Danny was some type of stick-it-to-the-man hero out in the woods giving the finger to the law. Nobody told the public about his uh, little the part where he molested his own daughter? No. <sighs> People were kind of ignorant in the newspaper ages. They relied on news twice a day, and it was already stale at that point. Not like us that have the world of news information at our fingertips. Instant access. Instant access. It also wasn't as easy for other states that were reporting on it to find out the fact that he had been to prison for anything else, too. So, oh, they couldn't just Google it. Because he wasn't from Florida, where they have the sunshine laws. Hmm. Mm. On June 12th, Danny found himself in the city of Pine, Arizona, where he burglarized several homes, stealing clothes, food, more guns, and a 1980 Chevy pickup. At all of his crime scenes, he left little notes for his fans, thanking the victims for their sacrifice for his continued escape and taunting police. I wonder what that note was like, taunting police. Nana nana boom boom. I just imagine, hey, a coppers. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me, you gumshoe. <laughs> Stupid shit like that. <laughs> it's me, Danny Ray Seal. This was in like 1992. It's not like the 1940s. <laughs> it's also not in like New York. <laughs> Coppers, eh? <laughs> but I do like it. The mayor of Arizona increased funding towards the manhunt, so Danny chose to leave the state for safer grounds. Using his stolen pickup, he drove to Socorro, New Mexico, and stayed for a week. 
Apparently losing his touch, Danny then went back to Arizona, where he and the truck were spotted in Payson on June 21st. Concerned he was returning to Winslow to extract his revenge, police increased their presence there and basically sat as Danny Ray drove right past them to Flagstaff. Dumbass cops and their stupid-ass revenge plans. If anyone's ever been to Flagstaff in the summer, they would know that June is basically peak tourist season. Because the freeway ends at the city and you have to travel through it to get to the Grand Canyon, most travelers make the city their rest stop. Because of the heavy population of tourists, Danny decided that he was going to find a nice family with an even nicer RV and take them hostage, knowing he could get the most ransom out of those with higher social standings. Not long after arriving in Flagstaff and starting his search, Danny was spotted by police. A short chase ensued, and Danny ditched his pickup and ran into the woods near Mormon Lake, disappearing once again. Did Danny, uh, did Danny think about the fact that the really rich people fly on vacation and take yachts and boats? and RVs are expensive, bro. They are, but not that expensive. And Katie, I think it's uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Lake, actually. Well, I will call the city of Flagstaff right now and let them know. Hey, guys, could you get that name changed to LDS Lake ASAP? LDS Lake sounds like where you go and get Lou Gehrig's disease. <laughs> we named it after Lil Dicky Sycamore. He fucking drowned there 20 years ago. This is New York again. I know. What's with the accent? That's like your go-to? Because Arizonans don't have accents or what? They're all transplants from New York and Chicago, see? Fucking Cubs fans everywhere. They really are. They do their spring training here. <laughs> hmm. On June 25th, he returned, waiting till the evening to wander the downtown area and look for a victim. He was spotted, but before the officer recognized him, Danny vanished into a hotel. Luckily for him, a fire started at almost the exact same time he'd been seen, creating a perfect diversion for him to slip away unnoticed. He is literally like a shitty 50s comic book villain. He, he's like a... A Dick Tracy villain that just sucks and gets away because of luck. Oh, you mean a David Copperfield show? No. He runs around on his tiptoes everywhere he goes? I just feel like all of a sudden, poof, a fire, and his his wonderful assistant set him up for it. Misdirection, I see. drops a red cape and runs. Smoke bomb, I'm out. Heading to a nearby convenience store, Danny decided he had to take what he could get and would kidnap the next person he saw in a vehicle. I just imagine he saw Beetle next. He's like, fuck. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that ain't gonna get me far. Unfortunately, Andrew Lactritz and his girlfriend, Catherine Falk, were the next people to pull into the parking lot. Danny hopped into the back seat, pulling out his stolen 44 Magnum and pointing it at Andrew. He told them to drive to Kingman, about a two-hour drive away. After they arrived, Danny told them to turn around and go back to Flagstaff. They stopped in Kingman, where Danny had Andrew withdraw $1,500 from his bank account. The three got a hotel room for the night, and the couple was forced to sit and listen while Danny prepared his negotiations for his future hostages. He wanted a million dollars, his record to be wiped clean, and his brother Jerry to be released from prison. He's a really weird type of stupid where he has like that power of positive thinking things and he fails upward all the time. Yeah, put it out into the universe, man. Was he planning for the cops to pay the ransom, the million bucks? Like the public, who's going who's gonna to give him a million dollars for being a kidnapper? Well, the FBI was involved at this point. So if, if they really needed to, they would have given him the million dollars. The FBI. Anytime you ask for ransom, they're going to give you the money. What about and then- a chopper? What? I they need didn't a chopper. Ask for a helicopter. Get to the chopper. They'll give you anything you want, but they're going to arrest you in the course of you getting it. Okay, guys. So what we've heard now is take hostages. Yes. The FBI will give you anything you want. You just have to avoid being arrested. Yeah. Next time somebody tells you, I don't know how to get to this point in my life. Short on rent? Kidnap your landlord. That's a twofer. That is a twofer. You kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Figuratively. You, yeah, I mean, you'll get arrested and you won't have to pay rent anymore. Oh, it's a threefer then. Yeah. Win, yeah. win, win situation. All your bills are going to be marked and they're going to look for them anywhere you go. You can't actually spend the money. So what Three you do, here's, okay, so here's what you do in that situation. You go to an elementary school and you take one of the bundles of bills and you toss it over the fence to the place where the elementary school kids play. That way the money gets circulated all the fuck over locally, and they have a like a diluted base to figure out where it's come from. 
Man, why am I not a criminal mastermind? Never too late to start. On June 26, Danny found the RV he was after. It was owned by Manuel and Sophia Norman, who were traveling with their son, Manuel Norman Jr., and Sophia's brother, Wilfred Houston. As the family arrived back at their RV, Daniel told Manuel Sr. he was interested in purchasing it and wanted to see inside. Manuel Sr. took him to the back of the RV, and the men talked for some time. After a while of both men being alone, the rest of the family grew suspicious and decided to check on him. Manuel Jr. noticed as they walked back from the Grand Canyon that a park ranger had been parked nearby. Rather than go in alone, he trusted his gut and ran to the ranger's car. He told him that the man was kidnapping his family and that he had a gun. Before approaching, the ranger called for backup and three other rangers arrived. Because Danny had dyed his hair, he wasn't immediately recognizable to anyone. As the rangers gave him commands to step to their cruisers, Danny pulled out his revolver and pointed at the officers. After a very brief standoff, Danny decided to make an escape, bolting back to his original kidnapping victim's car, who were waiting nearby, too scared to drive away. Kind of a poor choice on their part. I mean, at the very least, just move like six spots down so he's confused for a minute. He, they were in the back seat, so they would have had to get out and he would have seen them and it would have been a whole scene probably. You get out and you run. Do the cops. Anyway, any direction. Get out and run. I'm surprised that, you know, you can just come on out pointing a revolver at the cops and not get shot. What the fuck? Shoot him. Shoot him? You see, he was a white-skinned folk. Hey, that's what I'm thinking, too. I mean, that's what we know. <laughs> They're honestly lucky he, they didn't shoot Manuel Sr. <laughs> and these are also park rangers, so it's not often that they have to, like, get their shotguns out and have, like, a, a literal you, standoff with the are suspect. Are you telling me that uh, rangers don't accidentally shoot a bunch of black bears every year? Not as much as, like, just regular police officers, probably. You're probably correct on that. Danny peels out of the parking lot with the park rangers in hot pursuit, determined to not let him get away. The chase crossed over a road into another parking lot, and Danny realized that he was trapped. He drove the car into a ditch, firing at the rangers as he did so, and somehow managed to barely maneuver around them and out of the parking lot. So he did escape. He wasn't as trapped as he thought. Motherfucker. I think he, he drove over the sidewalk. Way. Yeah. If he was trapped, he could have pulled the old Vicky White move. Speeding down a narrow road, Danny was closely followed by park ranger Donnie Miller. Not knowing the area, Danny was completely unaware that a sharp bend in the road was quickly approaching, and taking it at 70 miles per hour was pretty much ensured a wreck. Although Danny tried slamming on the brakes, he was going too fast and came crashing through a gate, shattering his windshield. Danny came to a stop long enough for Ranger Miller to get out and point his shotgun at the sedan. Unfortunately, the car didn't take much damage, so Danny floored it, peeling away, and firing two shots at Miller. What kind of car is this? Four-door sedan. That's all I really know. Do you think as he's walking up on him with the shotgun, he's just like, It's Miller time, motherfucker! That's what I would have said. Well, Danny, so Danny's shooting out of his car. He's got... Guns pointed in his car, and he's got two hostages in the back seat. So yeah, still, this poor these poor kidnapping victims are just sitting there, like oh dodging my. his bullets as he's probably shooting out of the back window, and crashing into literally everything. Too bad it's not 2020. Back then, this happened. We would have you know videos. Yes, body cam videos. You know what I'm getting at. Miller took a moment to get back into his cruiser, and by the time he caught up to Danny, he'd stopped the car and was attempting to bail. Firing at the ranger again, Danny was able to escape once again and run off into the desert. Fortunately, his two hostages, Andrew Lackritz and Catherine Falk, were left in the back seat of the car, completely unharmed. The FBI locked down the Grand Canyon, suspecting Danny was somewhere in the park, but having a lot of ground to cover. The search continued for days, with Danny not being spotted until June 29th. He approached a couple whose car had overheated and told them to drive him. They tried explaining that the car wasn't going anywhere, but Danny insisted. <laughs> Danny just didn't understand, like, basic world knowledge, like, overheating car, don't drive. He drove his sister's broken Monte Carlo, and it was fine, so. <laughs> it's like, broken means drivable. <laughs> 
Suddenly, the two ran, and Danny aimed his pistol at the man. They both stopped, fully expecting to be shot, but Danny never pulled the trigger. Instead, he jumped into their car and chased after them, screaming at them to get into the car. <laughs> Obviously, they refused, and Danny decided he was better off leaving them and getting out of there fast. That's literally the proper response to a person trying to carjack you when you're already out of the car. It's like, yeah, take the car. I'm not getting in that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah no, he literally, it's, they were running down the road, basically, and he was driving next to them, like, get in, get in. And they were like, what the fuck, dude? No, I'm not He's getting like, on, in. Let's get away. Let's get away. You guys aren't in on this anymore? Oh, I thought this was a, this was like a thing. I thought we were friends when he speeds off all her. You're not getting your 20%. Of the ransom, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't have a ransom if you don't have any victims. Yeah. <laughs> they are the 20%. The next day, the car was found wrecked into a tree, but once again, Danny had vanished into the woods. Tracking dogs were unable to locate him, and helicopters were of no help. Do we know how he was evading the dogs? He, I think he was a person of the trees. <laughs> he basically walked in a bunch of circles. So he would walk one way, walk back that way over his tracks, then, like, do a bunch of circles. And then he also did a lot of, like, basically hiking. He would go over areas where he knew that the police would refuse to go, like, over big steep rocks and stuff, because the potential for injury was too high for police to risk that, but especially for, for their dogs. But not for a expert like him. He knew they wouldn't send their dogs down, like, a steep rock into a river. They never met Rambo, the police dog who they didn't put on this case because they didn't want confusion when they were referring to Danny Ray. But you know, Ram Rambo, return. And he's like, no thanks. <laughs> Press the digitation. Call back. On July 4th, he exited the forest once again, looking for more hostages. Because roadblocks had been set up, Danny couldn't drive himself out of the Grand Canyon and needed to stow himself away. He found two young college girls, Sally Edwards and Caroline Young, and used his gun to persuade them into a ride. <laughs> so he forced them to get yeah. in the car with his gun. They weren't like, oh, that's a nice gun. Can I get in your car and look at it for a minute? He persuaded them. Hey, give me a ride. No, thanks. Give me a ride. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was, I'm guessing that was the max persuasion that man had. Yes. Flashing his... Shiny gold revolver. Because he changed up his look once again, he passed through the roadblocks unnoticed by police. Down the road, yet another roadblock was set up. The officer manning the point noticed the young woman seemed absolutely petrified and that the man in the back seat was being shady. He had him step out of the car and remove his hat, but because Danny looked so different than at the time of his original arrest, the officer sent them on their way. So why didn't he, like, ask the girls, like, Hey, is this the guy? Is this guy cool? You want to go with them? No idea. They're like, no, sir, no, sir. He's like, sir, you know these ladies? Do you own them? He's like, yeah, those are my ladies. And he's like, all right, fair enough. Get in, continue on your way. Yeah, in, in the 90s, I mean, sexism and whatnot, they just saw two ladies in the car with this dude, and they're like, sick playa. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Once they reached Williams, Danny had the girls pull the car over and tied them to a tree. If you couldn't guess by now, Danny was spotted once again by a DPS officer, and a chase ensued. He again fired at the officer, made it down the 17 for a while, then crashed the car. Not a great driver. It is very hard for someone with Sasquatch personality tendencies to drive. and just can't see where they're going. Like, People of the forest don't understand modern motors dude just they're like amish people with more hair mm -hmm. by the time the officer approached guess what danny was gone poof all the action in the recent days had tired him and the heat of the summer was in full force he wandered through the woods for a while making it to a small town outside of sedona where he drank out of a garden hose the homeowner spotted him and called the police Officers from the Yavapai Sheriff's Office arrived along with Border Patrol agents and a trusty bloodhound. Nice. Now we know what kind of dog we're dealing with. It's about time. Did they give ear dimensions this time? No. How about lip flus? That's the, the hanging lips. Did they give flu dimensions? No. Okay. 
That's how you the dogs trap the scent. So the bigger the flues, bigger the ears, the better the tracking dog and more cuddleable. This time, his exhaustion got the best of him. The dog tracked his scent easily, finding him asleep under a home's deck. In total, Danny evaded the full force of every single United States law enforcement agency for 54 days. Sounds like he ran out of prestidigitation. Hard to do magic when you're asleep. Mm -hmm. He was just so tired at this point. I don't think he'd been sleeping and he hadn't been eating or drinking sufficiently and he just found a deck and he was like, oh, I'll hide here. And then I assume five minutes later he was asleep and just didn't even realize it. For my next trick, I'm going to get caught under a deck. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> Press the digitation. Danny was sent back to Florence prison, but Detective Mayoya was not happy with the entire situation. He petitioned for extradition and it was granted, with Danny being shipped back to Stockton, California in 1993 and standing trial for the murder of Sammy McCollum. I'm going, going back, back to Cali for murder. I forgot I'd name Sammy. Damn it, rhymes so good. Danny pleaded not guilty to the murder charge, but admitted to every other charge against him in Arizona during his testimony, hoping it would gain him some credibility with the jury. He was just clap chasing, actually. <laughs> he even admitted on the stand to molesting his six-year-old daughter. He claimed he was just, quote, a good guy who does bad things. Fuck this guy. That makes you a bad guy. Yeah, like, I'm just a good guy that does bad things. No, it's pretty much you're a bad guy. I'm just inherently evil, but I'm a good guy. Fuck this piece of shit. Hope he gets ass condored. How, how do you follow up, I molested my six-year-old daughter, but, you know, I'm just a good guy with bad guy tendencies. <laughs> The like, jury's just, like, nodding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The last thing he said is really true. Not any of that stuff he said before. Like, every violent crime this guy checked off. He got, he molested a child, lewd and lascivious conduct. He assaulted, he kidnapped, he murdered. Like, he's done pretty much everything. Killed a dog, animal abuse. Lock him up in Gen Pop. What a good guy. Just they can't, because he'll get out again. Oh, yeah. Lock him up somewhere where they know he's a pedophile. Danny, of course, was found guilty and chose to expedite the sentencing process, once again taunting the judge with his ability to escape prison. He was sentenced to death and sent to San Quentin. A month after arriving, Danny was stabbed three times, but he survived. Today, Danny is still in San Quentin, but because of the moratorium on the death penalty, he will not be executed. Have any other attempts been made against him? No. It seems like pretty much everyone's just kind of forgotten who he was honestly because i mean i've lived here my whole life never heard of this dude did the judge forget who he was and give him a janitor job yet judges don't hand out janitor jobs you know they might be like this guy doesn't get a janitor job but then that judge retires he is a little appeal he's like judge yo could i get a janitor job and the judge doesn't know about all of his previous bullshit because they can't read the file the judges don't do that you can't do. ask a judge for a job they can't tell the prison system what job a prisoner can but and the cannot judge have can say they can't keep these guys away from the fucking janitor no keys, they cannot i'm a judge they I literally cannot you. they I, cannot tell the entire department of corrections to not give someone a job is yes. that gonna do it for us this week katie yes that is all for this week all right, guys, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R cornerscrimecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fourcornerscrimecast, on Instagram at fourcornerscrimecast, on Twitter at fourcornerscast, and our Facebook group, the Four Corners Crimecast Discussion Group. And don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rate and review there. Give us a rate and review on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also go over to our website. It's fourcornerscrimecast.com where you can find a full episode list. You can send us an idea for an episode that you want to hear about, or you can just get a sticker. You go, to the, go to the store there. You put the sticker in the cart. You check out. Boom. We put a stamp on it. Use the code bingo bango. Bingo bango to get that free shit. Oh, I did want to say, if anyone ordered a sticker and didn't get it, to tell me, because someone's been stealing our mail. Oh, there's that. Mail and, theft is a crime. And also, Federal. if your stickers are starting to peel, let us know. We'll get you some new ones. There's like four-year-old stickers out there at this point. True. All right, guys. 
We'll talk to you next week. See ya. Presidigitation. Motherfuckers. Adios, motherfuckers. I don't ever listen to Charlotte, Charlotte the God. Should I be listening to Charlotte the God? No, he's an idiot. I'm looking for new podcasts. <laughs>